I'm Elena. I'm Grant. And this is Sex Archie. A Green Day retrospective podcast. Today we're talking about track 12 from 2004's American Idiot. What's track four? What's track four? That's right. We're actually a Riverdale <laughs> recap podcast talking about chapter 81, The Homecoming. So here's the thing. I was so close. You try so hard. I really try. <laughs> I just ruin it every time. <laughs> Go to sleep. Go to sleep. So this is sort of the, the first full episode, like, in this new setting, in this new version of the show. After we had an episode setting up what's going on, where everybody was, yeah. now things are supposed to kick off. Yes. Kick off. Mm-hmm. With Jughead telling us, you can never go home again. He loves to quote me, that boy. I think I used that line in the last two episodes. <laughs> and uh, we we join... Our, our friends, our, our, our buddies. Exactly where we left them. The, the five of them having that conversation in, in, the, in the booth at Pops. Yes, and looking very miserable about it. <laughs> except for Archie, who is so pumped to be there. Mm -hmm. and, and Jughead is continuing his narration, talking about how, you know, they were all using Archie's town-saving scheme as a way to avoid talking about their lives. Yes. Which is a really smart, like, character note for, for all three, four of them, depending on if Tony's doing the same. Yeah. <laughs> smart enough that I kind of wish that we had seen that instead of just having Jughead lay it out in plain black and white, but fine, whatever. Yeah, I mean, we kind of get it. Mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. they never really talk about it through this whole episode, actually, what is going on in their lives to each other. Except for the very next scene, where Jughead and Betty are walking through the I woods. I don't really count that, though, because <laughs> yeah, they don't yeah. actually talk about their lives. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, because the next scene is, yes, them walking through the woods, and they do address the fact, like, you didn't reach out. And she's like, I didn't think you wanted me to after that voicemail you left me back when. Mm -hmm. And like, it wasn't my intention. And I hope we find out what this voicemail was. Yes. And like, <laughs> they're all like, it's strange being here. But like, that's not talking about their lives. That's talking about mm -hmm. their interactions with each other not existing. But that's not, to me, like, a lot of these conversations about not talking about their lives is... The trash bag killer. <laughs> Jughead's debt and unhappiness. Veronica's unhappiness with her marriage. Archie's probably PTSD that we haven't even seen yet. Yeah. Like, and, and in this episode, just about everybody opens up about what they've been up to to someone other than the friend group. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That is exactly it, is that they are not talking to each other. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we find out that they have not... Uh, really been in communication. There was some type of falling out that we don't know what it is. At this point, unless it comes up later, it is safe to assume that them sitting on opposite sides of the couch and then Betty goes off on a road trip is the last meaningful interaction the two of them have had. Yes. And I, I do like Betty, like, same old Archie trying to save everyone. Mm -hmm. And like, yes, he's trying to hide his pain. <laughs> Or he's just clueless. Who knows? It's one of the two. Same old Archie hitting people with baseball bats. Uh, and so, you know, they have a little like, well, it's good to see you even though it's weird. Mm -hmm, and they part mm -hmm. ways. Uh, and then we go see Archie and Veronica having kind of the same chat. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. You know, like, oh, you're married. 
And she's like, yeah, and you must have slept with a lot of women, right? Because you're hunky. <laughs> and he's like, not no. really. And I'm like, he was, he, he just got back from war. There are women in war. Yeah. But Welcome like, to the future. We can have war women. You know, it's the whole fact, though. I'm like, I don't know if he really had time to build himself a meaningful, lasting relationship because of war. <laughs> Archie mentions that he hasn't had a serious relationship since high school. Veronica's like, yeah, but you must have had a lot of flings. And he just lets that hang in the air. <laughs> Uh, and she's like, well, you should have fun, because you know once you're married, your life is over and you die of unhappiness and you might as well just be in a grave. <sighs> the Chadwick experience. Like, yeah, your husband's a dickwad. <laughs> but what is with every show lately being like, oh my god, you're married and that means you're dead. Uh oh, you're 40, you're dead. <laughs> I didn't know your aunt was a television writer. I'm so excited for this new career. I mean, like, I expect it from my aunt and family members because... But I don't like this trend I'm seeing. <laughs> so Betty makes it home and Alice exists still. Yay, Alice. Uh, and she is very, very frantic. Um, she seems to be a laundry farmer, and, and there's a big crop all around the living room that she must harvest. Uh, and what we find out is that Polly and the twins live with her. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Polly is not home yet for the evening. She is out working or something. But the way that Alice is, is running around a mile a minute, uh, frantically trying to change the subject and deflect whenever uh, uh, asked about Polly's exact whereabouts, I'm starting to wonder if Polly is dead. <laughs> oh. Polly secretly died and Alice is trying to save face somehow. <laughs> I mean, it's an interesting idea, especially as the episode goes on, if you just keep running with that. I think it gets much less interesting because Polly shows up in like five no, scenes. No, I but... prefer to think that this is her ghost. Okay, okay. It's her ghost. But yeah, so Alice is definitely a single frazzled mother mm -hmm. of children that are not hers. She's the single mother of her daughter and her grandchildren, yes. Yes, and it is a lot. It's a lot. She's also the only reporter in town. Yes. <laughs> There's a lot to report on. Veronica goes home to the Penbrook. Mm-hmm. Covered in sheets like you do with your fancy <laughs> rich people furniture. Yeah, we've all seen Batman Begins, you know, covered in sheets, yeah. And Archie goes to the El Royale uh, to, you know, spend the night. And Jughead goes to the sex hall. <laughs> I wouldn't expect him anywhere else, quite honestly. Well, ever since they tore down the drive-in. <laughs> drive-in torn down, trailer burnt down. Mm -hmm. Well, he did that himself. That's a self-inflicted wound. Bridges burned of his other home. All he has left is the sex hole. The sex hole looks quite good for it being seven years. I am assuming some other teens use it. And one of my predictions, some other teens are going to walk in on him where he's going to go home to the <laughs> sex hole and there'll be some people getting freaky. I just think it speaks to, to Dilton Doily's fastidious construction of his yeah. survival bunker. Yeah. It did a good job. Mm -hmm. 
Jughead is there. He he's listening to some voicemails. His agents called him. Like, mm-hmm. when's the next book? The the bill collector informs him about his what ninety eight hundred dollar debt. Yes. Okay, so here's my thing. These these dudes we saw. Yes. We're gonna like break his kneecaps, right? And lots of other things beside. The voice of this lady who leaves him a voicemail is so kind. It's so corporate. It, it's like I, I wouldn't be surprised if this was some. If this was a robot. It is so polar opposite. I'm like, are they really <laughs> employing someone to make these phone calls? Of hello, Mister Jones. Just want to remind you of your nine thousand dollar debt. Please pay it in the next 24 hours or we will kill you. Okay, you know the end of Fargo season three? That the dude, you know, finally kills all the Gerhards and he's the conquering hero, goes back to home office and realizes that it's the, the organized crime life is really just a, a soulless corporate thing. And the, the last crime guy to get a big promotion is because he, he figured out their, their uh, postage system to save a lot of money. Yeah. That's the criminal interest that's after Jughead. Okay. Uh, so the, the next day, uh, Kevin is helping Betty clean out the Riverdale FBI headquarters. My question is, what is $10,000 in 2021 money? Like, specifically 2021 time hole money. Yeah, I don't know what their inflation is and, and whatnot. <laughs> I need to see a Pops menu to know what a burger costs right yes. now. Yes, and then we extrapolate. <laughs> yeah, then we, then we do the calculations and we get a good idea. But yeah, so uh, Kevin and uh, Betty are there. And of course, he he asks how uh, the Bughead reunion went. And it kind of just didn't. It didn't really. Yeah. And they have a little, you know, catch up time. Betty uh, starts opening files and she sees that they're all files on her family. Mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. Charles has a whole bunch of tapes. Charles was very busy. She even pops one in and it's her calling uh, uh, Polly and, and cursing her out. That that brief moment in the Halloween episode where... where she's be- like Edgar. Yes. Polly thought Betty was Edgar calling her. Yes. Yes. It was a it was a whole thing. I'm still mad Edgar's not back. Like, come he, on. He's in space. He made it. He survives. Did he meet the rover? Yes. Edgar got to Mars through Perseverance and has now met Perseverance. Is he yes. the one tweeting? Because <laughs> yeah. he has thumbs. <laughs> the the next pictures, the pictures that come out tomorrow, he's gonna be waving. Oh. He better be shirtless. <laughs> Then he won't get back on the show. He will be dead. But I'd get to see it one more time. You could be shirtless on Mars. It would okay. It would be okay to be shirtless on Mars. You still got your helmet, like exactly. Yeah. As as long as you have an air supply, you could be shirtless on yeah, Mars. Yeah, there we go. You wouldn't want to be. It's frightfully cold. <laughs> Very cold. Just for a second, just one picture. Uh, so Veronica. Um, goes to see uh, Daddy Dearest. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and is all like, I want back in on the family business. Even he is confused at this point. He's like, what? <laughs> Why? Why are we doing this again? Uh, he mentions that there is no place for her. Uh, he, he sold off a lot of things. I don't know how. When did you get the right to sell things well, off back? So, Hermosa took the rum business to Miami. Fine. Makes sense. Running. Cool. He did, we did know that he sold the speakeasy to Tony. But why was it his to sell? I don't know. No one knows. I don't know why Pop didn't get ownership of the speakeasy when Veronica (laughs) gave him Pops. It's his basement. 
I don't think you can, like, have a different person own a basement. <laughs> okay, maybe he sold, for some reason he had it to sell, but maybe he sold, like, the Le Bonui copyright. <laughs> he, he sold the brand to uh, uh, Tony. That don't make no sense, because she changed the brand. <laughs> Veronica's all like, well, yo, I'm looking for, like, a weekend home in Riverdale. Because, again, they just keep somehow moving Riverdale closer to the city of New York. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Somehow, every episode, it gets closer yeah, geographically. Yeah. This is the closest it's ever been. There, there's a line, like... About, Later on about how lots of people commute to the city every yeah. day. <laughs> this is daily commute distance to New which York we, City now. Which we were suspicious of last episode with Sodale. <laughs> But, like... It does make Sodale make a lot more sense. It's gotten so much closer every time. And I think the thing that's also funny is, so, like, Greendale's supposed to be, like, just down the street, but also, like, four hours away. Mm-hmm. They never talk about the city. <laughs> they... I don't recall uh, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina ever mentioning what state their Greendale is in. Oh, they totally don't. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's that green. Deal. It seems to be New England, at least you know by by the the witch lore in in like the first season at least. Yeah, New York's close enough. Close enough. So yeah, so Veronica does get pissed at him when she you know finds out all this stuff has been like sold and whatnot, and she's like, "Well, why didn't you tell me?" And he's all like, "Well, why didn't you tell me you were getting married?" <laughs> yeah. He, oh. He didn't know about Brad until after they Chad. were married. Like it matters. It's a worse name. Who cares what his name is? It matters because Chadwick. Chad. It just encompasses how awful he is Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. properly. Okay. Mm -hmm. Brad's kind of like, oh, okay, whatever. But Chadwick. That's true. At least by the end of the movie, Brad is dressing up in in fetish gear and singing songs too. Yeah. Chad would never... Chad would die. <laughs> they beat him. You know, you know, you know this year's uh, musical is going to be Rocky Horror, right? Oh, my God. You, it's going to happen. Oh, that would be good. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. I mean, Glee did it first, but okay, whatever. Who cares? Okay, so let's actually pause here because I have been trying to think about like what, what musical they mm-hmm. will do and like mm-hmm. how and my brain was really thinking a funny thing happened on the way to the forum my brain was really thinking about how will kevin get them all to be in the musical but i think i like this rocky horror idea because then a, a shadow cast exactly think and it opens up a lot of doors i would a like shadow to think, cast oh, fundraiser oh 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 yes oh, oh okay Stuff that's going on, we know, okay, we got to save Riverdale, right? (laughs) Yes. What we do is they succeed so well that they bring back the drive-in. Ah. And the first thing there is a shadow cast of Rocky Horror. And all of the people in their cars have to get out their binoculars (laughs) to see the people way up there. Yes. (laughs) Jughead Mm -hmm. goes to the White Worm. Mm Mm-hmm. He's talking to Tony, wants a job. Tony cannot give him a, a job. Tony can barely give him a drink because he's not welcome in these parts no more. And like, Sweet Pea and Fang suddenly come over too and they're like, you showing your face here. <laughs> and it's very 
forced and weird that they apparently suddenly hate Jughead because of the book he wrote. Yes, yes. They they took his fictionalization of Riverdale and the Southside Serpents, excuse me, the Vipers, uh, as a personal affront. They did not like how they were portrayed. They did uh, not like the names of Toothy or Popeye. <laughs> <laughs> Quite frankly, I do. Popeye is great. Toothy, <laughs> Toothy. is something. I love... Can you imagine if his name was Toothy in the show? <laughs> like, this is my boyfriend, Toothy. Instead of Fangs Fogarty, you got Toothy Togarty. <laughs> That's probably what his name was in the book, going by the, these others. Toothy Togarty. Does Sweet Pea have a last name? Is his last name P? His last name is P, yeah. So, so first name Pop, last name I? Well, last initial. <laughs> oh, that's how that's how there's not a copyright issue. It's P O P I. It's short for Iserman. <laughs> so yeah, they're pissed. They're like, you gave away all of uh, our serpent traditions and codes. You mocked us. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You've made a lot of enemies in this town, Jones. Remember when the serpents are sometimes a secret society? It's less secret now. This is the dumbest plot point. No, I like this. <laughs> I like this. The Jughead went out and, and he wrote what he knew, but the way it got, you know, accepted by the world is, uh, and, and we'll see it play out again, or, or uh, about to play out again. His his friends don't want to be on display. I, I think the problem I'm having with it is I feel like their whole portrayal in that scene was so bad. Mm -hmm. None of them actually seemed mad. <laughs> they seemed <laughs> they threw like beer nuts at okay, him. I was waiting. Away. I was just waiting for like suddenly and then to be like, dude, we're joking with you. <laughs> we're just fucking with you. It's fine. That was the attitude of the whole scene. It just didn't seem sincere. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It it seemed like a joke the whole time. <laughs> but then I was like, the scene ended and I was like, oh, we were serious. Huh. <laughs> so then uh, Archie goes to Weatherby and is all like, hey, dude, I emailed you. I'm taking over your ROTC program. Mm -hmm. And Weatherby's like, dude. We might not have a school on Monday. Budget cuts. <laughs> apparently, apparently the mayor is so powerful, he can just turn off funding to anything like a spigot. I would imagine the state school board has something to say about this. Well, he is friends with the governor. Yeah, yeah. How, how many officials in is, how many places does Hiram have in his pocket? It's been seven years. Is it still the same governor? You Ooh. can buy a new governor. You can Ooh. get a new one, like like a cell phone. You know, the governor's on a two-year plan. He always gets a new one. Dooley Jr. Ah, Junior. The, the next generation. I hope the next time somebody dies, we get Dr. Curdle the <gasps> Third. Just like a Doogie Hauser-ass oh, mortician. Oh, I want them to go to the morgue, and he introduces, this is my son, Curdle Jr. And they're like, what? <laughs> but you're Curdle Jr. Wait a minute. No, I'm not. <laughs> and he just like slinks away. And then the next time they go, they're like, where's your father? Who are you talking about? <laughs> there has only been Curdle. There's only me. The, the last public institution left in Riverdale is the school. And even that is about to get the axe from mean old Mr. Veronica. 
So we have an emergency meeting of people who care about the town. Yes. Which is Kevin and Archie and Alice and Tony and Weatherby and Burble. Yes. Miss Burble is here to save the day, goddammit. She's taking notes. <laughs> uh, and we find out that Kevin is basically teaching all of school. He's teaching six classes. One of them is sex ed, and he looks so uncomfortable to say that out loud to people. He looked like he was going to puke. <laughs> and I love it. Kevin's sex ed class does include a unit on anonymous cruising in the woods. <laughs> That's the final, actually. Yeah. yeah. It's the safe sex part. Oh. Where he's like, do it safely. Tell a friend where you are. Because Kevin is a, a drama teacher first, all of his classes have a performance final. It's not as weird in gym class. Oh my class. god! Gym class is a little less weird, but... <laughs> in, in college. Yes. I Many of my electives, mm -hmm. because I went to an art school, you, your final project was supposed to be like, your major related, right? Or mm -hmm. art related. The one class where that was not true, aside from, like, math. Uh, <laughs> it's totally true, though, for, like, meteorology and geology and everything. Like, we totally had to do art projects for that I shit. love your geology art project. <laughs> I love that I almost made my professor cry because I actually gave a shit. <laughs> and that was... I did a series of stage makeup designs, designs and applications all based on different types of rocks and minerals. Specific Tears. Tears from my professor. A geological uh, motif for redesigning the central characters of A Midsummer Night's Dream. Yeah, yes. <laughs> that man finally, like, his, his dream was realized. But the whole point of this was I took a human sexuality class. Yes. They did not make us do an art project in that. <laughs> Thank you. Fucking God, because what would that have been? That's one class where when they say an oral exam, you really have to ask some follow-up <laughs> questions. What? What are we talking about here? I was a theater major. Like, what? <laughs> no, I'm not doing a final project about anything there. No, thank you. You just do the vagina monologues. I mean, I guess it would have been easy. It's already written. <laughs> that was a weird class. My teacher had just gone through a breakup. Mm-hmm. And basically hated anything to do with a committed relationship. <laughs> oh, so uh, going back, the whole reason they had this little uh, this little get together was so they could make a plan uh, to go in front of the school board. Yes, that yes. was the whole point. But yeah, so uh, Jughead goes to Pops, uh, and he's trying to to write. He actually has a laptop. Don't know why he wasn't like using that back at his apartment. It didn't fit the vibe, you know. There's an aesthetic we're going for. Yes, when you're on, when you're in a Alphabet City, you could only use typewriters. And when you need to write somewhere you don't live, you're better off with a laptop. <laughs> Those things are heavy. And so he sees uh, Tabitha put up a help wanted sign, and he's immediately like, "Hey, hey, they won't let me downstairs. Can I work upstairs?" <laughs> yeah. Let's just not <laughs> talk about why they won't hire me. Will you hire me? And she's like, no, I'm not going to do that. Also, you need to eat food and you need to pay for the food. This is not your, your like, internet cafe. <laughs> Jughead is so offended that someone would expect him to order and pay for food at a restaurant. <laughs> well, and at first she was like, 
you need to order something more than coffee. I'm like, uh-uh, you don't get to, like, go after someone because they just ordered coffee. That is still paying for food. But then we get to the point where he doesn't actually pay for his coffee. I guess Pop never, like, charged him for a coffee. <laughs> Which makes sense in a lot of ways, but then at some point, like, Pops, you should have started charging him. Once he wasn't homeless, mm-hmm. charge that kid a dollar fifty. Yeah, I'm sure uh, a field reporter for the blue and gold really pays well. (laughs) He was Serpent King for a while. That's got to have some type of income. He made them stop selling drugs. (laughs) Okay, that's why Pops never charged him, because you're like, boy's an idiot. Making no money. So yeah, Tabitha is laying down the the new rules of her Pops chocolate shop, including no running tabs. We don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like she doesn't want her restaurant bought by a child or something. <laughs> Just something that could always happen at any moment. So here's the thing that's funny, though, is, like, we don't know her age, and she could be their age. Yes. I have a feeling that's probably what they're going for. Yes. But I prefer to think that she is just barely out of being a child. She's, like, 19. <laughs> She's a current Riverdale High student. Yes. Yes. So uh, Hiram goes to visit the White Worm, mm-hmm. uh, and Fangs and Sweet Pea are ready to beat him up. Mm-hmm. Then my boys. He's there to make his, you know, monthly sell me the White Worm pitch to Tony. Um, but part of it's also about Riverdale High. Yes. He's like, well, you're like, how many students even got there anymore? <laughs> and remember, he already shut down one school she went to. Yes. she's He's going for the pair. Um, And so his offer is that they will give scholarships to everyone to go to Stonewall. Mm -hmm. And she's like, fuck you. You're on the board of Stonewall. Obviously, it's all corrupt and awful. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he he tries to buy her personally with a a job there with a corner office. Yeah. And she's not having it. This is basically a, a school voucher story, but without school vouchers. Yeah. We're, we're going to suck the, the funding out of the public school system, put it in this private school, but we're not going to name the thing that literally is that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So over at uh, the Cooper household, mm-hmm. Archie is staring through Betty's window into his old bedroom window, spying on the ghoulies. And she's like, you know, Kevin and I used to do that all the time to try to catch you shirtless. <laughs> it's not weird. Or anything. It's not weird nine years later. It's a little weird back it's then. A, yeah, okay. <laughs> but hey, I wish I wish you would have said, that's when we realized you got hot. Like, let's really throw it back. I like to think of that as like chapter one of our real uh, uh, adventures together, Archie. And so the ghoulies are, of course, over there. And they so, are passing around the jingle jangle. Fistfuls. Fistfuls. Like big old industrial baggies of the jingle jangle it's, straws. Okay, so like pixie sticks. Like, you, you run a candy store. It's mm-hmm. like what or, you get well, them shipped to you yeah, yeah, yeah. for in bulk. Like you work at a candy store. Yeah. 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 That's what they're passing out. You know, packs of a hundred. Mm-hmm. So uh, Archie is so upset that uh, his house has become a, a drug den, and he's going to get rid of these ghoulies and, and clean up uh, uh, Riverdale building by building if I have to. You know, like he did in Fallujah. <laughs> Uh, so Archie goes to Sheriff Keller, and he's like, hey, where's the rest of your team? And he's like, it's just me. You covering- were told this. Yeah. Directly. But then here's the thing. We find out that he's not just the only sheriff 
in Riverdale. He's the only sheriff in the county. I'm glad somebody on this show remembers that sheriff is a county-level position. <laughs> He's always been the sheriff of the whole county. This also means that there is no... There's no other police. Yeah, there's no, there's like... There's no other infrastructure. Legitimate police in Sodale. There is instead a an, an private security force helmed by one Reginald Mantle, soldier of fortune. Yes. <laughs> Reggie's a rent-a-cop slash goon slash used car salesman. He still is working at the Mantle car lot. So... Everybody has so many jobs. <laughs> So Archie's all like, this is what I want to do. I want to take down the ghoulies. I want to get my house back. So you still got police gear everywhere, right? Because we're going to need that to suit up. And I'm like, oh my God. None of this is legal. (laughs) This cannot be legal. Okay, okay. Here's the thing. If the ghoulies have been living there more than 30 days after defaulting on rent with no with no formal eviction proceedings taking place, they are considered under New York state law legal residents. Mm-hmm. So to expel them, you have to go through the court system and contact the sheriff's office. Yes, you've contacted the sheriff's office, but there there are deadlines, there are dates. There's paperwork. There's paperwork, and the ghoulies deserve their day in court or in arbitration so you don't get to a court date so they don't, so nobody has to worry about court fees. Fine, whatever. But you have to go through the formal process. They are legal residents of that home. You can't just go beat them up. You can't just go beat them up. You can't do that. Is the that's the bad thing. That's crime. And Sheriff Geller's like, cool. I'll pull up my riot gear, <laughs> dude. You're supposed dude. to be the cool one. You're part of the hot dad squad. You can't be like this. But that's what the hot dad squad does. The hot dad squad beats people up or just threatens to beat people up. The hot dad squad started on riot night to fight the goalies. But they don't do it as cops. They do it as hot dads. (laughs) He is crossing a line right now because he's doing this as a cop. Is he? Or is he a hot dad that just forgot to lock up a a, a locker? Veronica's having a lot of Zoom calls. Yes. Well, she's setting up an interview to be a a sport reporter. No, a sports agent. Sport agent. In Los Angeles. Yes. She's, like, set this up. She's, like, talking, I guess, to her travel agent to get a flight. And then she finds out that her credit cards aren't working. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what we find out is that Chadwick. Chad. Well, he claims that, oh, yeah, that's a weird thing that's happening. We'll get it figured out. When are you coming home? But really, it's that he put a freeze on the cards because he's an asshole who's trying to control his wife. Veronica exclusively communicates with her family through American Excess account access. Yes. This this is a constant theme. Uh, And then Smithers appears. Smithers! She must have removed the sheet from him. (laughs) He woke up. He's like a baby bird where you put the sheet over the cage and they go to sleep. And so she took it off and he's like, oh, man, I have a crook in my neck. How long has it been? Oh, seven years. You know that Twilight Zone episode where the mannequins come alive? Smithers is one of them. Mm-hmm. He just wakes up when the family needs him. Mm-hmm. And of course he's like, you know, coming to save the day to inform her that there's some weird creepos outside following her in a car and they've just been like casing the place. Go kill them, Smithers. Do your worst. And she's all like, is it daddy or my husband? Who could say? And I'm like, if you need to ask that question, you have a lot of problems in your life. 
Yeah, maybe you should just fly to L.A. and don't worry about the job over there. Anyway, her story in this episode is wanting a, a career, wanting a life. Did Chad get her fired from the jewelry store? She has a high-stakes, fast-paced career in the city that she loves. She just hates being in the city because of Chad. She did not get fired from it. He found out about it, which apparently means, like, she can't go back, or I don't know what that means. I, I guess she just hates being with Chad so much that she wants another job like the jewelry store that's not in New York. Her whole story in this is just so weird. Yes. So much of it is her, like, realizing and knowing that he is an absolute asshole. Mm-hmm who is controlling her, Mm -hmm. and she acknowledges it, and is obviously trying to do things to get away, but at the same time, like, not. (laughs) Yeah. She she has all of these plans, all of these these things she would rather do than be with her husband that she hates, but none of these Zoom calls are with a divorce attorney. And that's the thing. Like, everything is, like, to the extreme that it's... I'm just like, why aren't you saying we're done? Yeah, somebody's I'm got... I'm divorcing you, asshole. Or, or even any of the people she talks to. Like, nobody's gonna, gonna say the word. Nobody's gonna bring it up. Because I think we as the audience deserve an explanation. There's not a sense of love. There's not a sense of her being scared of him or like there's none of that like manipulation that would keep her in the relationship. I figured out who Chad looks like. A potato. I do think he looks like the Fifty Shades of Grey guy. Yeah, but less handsome. Yes. Yeah, the less attractive brother. (laughs) And he's just like, fuck. So I got to be a dick because I don't look like that. Give me the babies. Anyway, uh, Veronica has to escape her own home, so she decides an old friend is here to help. And so we get her in her platinum blonde wig. And who the fuck is this gonna fool? <laughs> she doesn't even have the big glasses or the, the head scarf. It's just the wig and the clothes that she was wearing earlier. Uh-huh. I don't understand. Veronica Lodge was put in the show to test me. I just don't get... The, like, oh, I'm wearing a wig. I look like a completely different person. I put my hair down. I look like a completely different person. Like, we have not mentioned that Betty does not wear a ponytail anymore. Except she at night. She wears a ponytail getting out of bed. That's it. Which is weird. <laughs> That's, you're doing it wrong. It's the other way. <laughs> hair down at night, ponytail during the day. Keep that hair out of your face. If you wear a ponytail to bed at night, your hair's going to look weird in the morning. Also, it's going to, like, come out and get really matted and stuff. And that's how you know she wasn't, like, actually sleeping, though. Because, like, it looked too good. We're doing this episode all out of order. I'm sorry. (laughs) So Veronica's not only in her wig, she's in a pawn shop. And she's selling off some Glamour J eggs. Yep. Um, And then she's like, oh, do you have any guns? (laughs) This is Riverdale after all, and you should. She gets some fat stacks of cash, and she asks for specifically a small feminine gun. <laughs> Get the big gun. She's going for a real femme fatale sort of thing. She's She's got, you know, a brand to protect. Big gun. Big one. Betty uh, is asleep with her ponytail. Mm-hmm. Uh, she wakes up screaming because she dreams that uh, the trash bag killer is there. Looming over the headboard, looking down at her, I mean, much like he looked down on her in, in the hole. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the trash bag killer is fucking terrifying. It is, <laughs> yes. it is, it is a gargoyle king 
creepy. Yeah. <laughs> it is very good. <laughs> it's a good look. It's a good... I mean, and just the, the fact that it is a hooded figure in black, black plastic, but in black, it also brings up her family history. Yes. It, though not as scary looking. <laughs> not as intimidating. Sorry, Hal. Just didn't really go to the same place. <laughs> But I, I think that that is smart. That's a good decision. Betty Cooper is in this show because I deserve nice things. Oh, okay. So she wakes up. She catches her breath. Like, okay, trash bag killer, you're not here. But then there's a crash. So she grabs her big gun mm-hmm. and goes downstairs and is ready to shoot. But it's Polly. It's Polly. Polly does not like having a gun in her face when she comes home. That's a fine how do you do. It is like 3 a.m. and she made a lot of crash noises, so... Also, uh, I made a note, which is rare for me. I made a note of the score during the nightmare scene. Like, Trash Bag Killer seems to have the this heavy electronic foreboding theme tune that I really mm-hmm. like. It, it's like Annihilation Light. Ooh, yeah. Yes. That's the sort of vibe. Trash Bag Killer is really a great band name. <laughs> yeah. I heard Trash Bag Killer open for Panic at the Disco. I'm, I can't believe they didn't uh, uh, really hit it big. Paul, again, Polly's there. She um is is dressed in not how we've seen Polly dressed before. Uh, she's meant to be a waitress at the seedy nightclub that I think is the one that got visited that one episode in season one. Maybe. <laughs> so maybe that's why you, you see, that's why you see her bra cups po- popping out on either side of her V-neck. That's why she's wearing the, the furry coat. Maybe. I like her furry coat. In fact, in this episode, she has two furry coats. Yeah. <laughs> she has the same coat in blue and brown. I like the purple dress. With polka dots, it's just not the bra part of it. Mm -hmm. But so they have some tea together. Betty tries to apologize for not being there for the family and for prank calling her. And when uh, Polly was so vulnerable after the farm and everything that the farm turned out to be. Yes. Polly's not super receptive. No, no. Sorry doesn't make it go away, especially with it festering for seven years now. Did Betty not go home for Christmas and Thanksgiving like she always promised her mom? Her mom is Alice Cooper. What do you think? I mean, I wouldn't, but like... (laughs) But this whole time my eyes are drawn over Polly's shoulder to the refrigerator. There's a dog picture. There are two dog pictures on this refrigerator. Who are these dogs? Who are these dogs? Did Alice get dogs? Did Has, the twins get dogs? Do the twins have dogs? Did are we, they twin dogs? Did we fill our... They are not. They are different breeds of dog. Did we fill our empty nest with puppies? Are they twins from another pupper mother? Uh, pupper mother sounds like you're trying to say nutter butter after you ate eight nutter butters. Oh, I love nutter butters. Okay. Nutter butters. The best. Mm-hmm. Nutty bars, even better. Better than best. Add some peanut butter to those nutty bars. Whole new level. Okay, what you do, what you do is you take a nutty bar, you slather the nutty bar in peanut butter. You're not done, you're not done. You ever heard of ants on a log? We're going to do that, except instead of raisins, we're going to use nutter butters (laughs) on top of the nutty bar. Oh my god, I want this. You're going to smash that all up with a spoon. No! You're going to put it in a bowl. You're going to shake that bowl up a few times. You're going to put some vanilla bean ice cream in there. What are you going to top that with? Five whole brownies. (laughs) You drizzle with chocolate. You drizzle with uh, uh, caramel sauce. 
Then you put it in a blender. You pulse three pulses on the chop <laughs> setting. Each pulse is one, two, three, one, two, three, except the third pulse is just one, two, okay? <laughs> Skimble Shanks the Railway Cat is how you count out the pulses. Okay, I have two thoughts here. My first thought is you couldn't shake it because there's peanut butter all over it. It's not going to shake. Second thought is I want Michael Shannon to do this as a monologue. It's called Brownie Salad. I want, I want him to read this like he read that like sorority angry letter. <laughs> where it just sounds like he's going to rip your head off, but he's talking about brownie salads. I want it read by Jughead's agent, because Sam is in this episode, no. and I love no, Sam. No, angry Michael Shannon. I love Sam so much. Goku! Someone needs to type this up. You need to get it into Michael Shannon's hand, please. Especially the, like, pulse description. So, um, we were talking about dogs. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, we got a big sisterly moment. Betty is feeling, is reaching out because she feels guilt. And uh, Polly is saying, I'm not here for you to absolve your guilt on. I'm a person. Fuck you, Betty. Uh, so the next mon- morning, uh, Betty comes down. Alice is frantically making breakfast. We see the twins. No, we don't. No, that's later? That's later. Okay. Betty kind of tries to talk to Alice about Polly. And Polly's like, Alice is like, leave Polly alone. She's, she's you know, waitressing. She's trying to raise two kids alone and she's paying off the mortgage. You leave her be. Don't judge her. Don't Don't judge me. Yeah. Uh, And then Tony comes by. We find out that Hiram had the newspaper publish a hit piece against Tony and Mm -hmm. how she runs the white worm. So obviously snake dances. Obviously she's not cut out to be a guidance counselor or work in a school because Hiram's a dick. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then they're like, okay, we got to do stuff to get the school board to, like, do what we want to do. This is such a weird play from Hiram because, like, from what we've seen of Riverdale, who's going to judge somebody having a second job? They'll just be jealous of her for act- for hoarding all the jobs. Yeah, I don't think we should be worried about second jobs. I think we should have been worried when a teacher was sleeping with a student, but we really weren't. <laughs> so uh, Jughead is in the sex hole. Trying to write. Mm-hmm. Archie calls him. He's like, hey, dude, how's the five seasons? How's room service every day? This is just a great kind of reminder of like, remember that time Jughead was homeless and none <laughs> yeah. of you fucking noticed? Nobody knew. It's kind of like that again. Same thing. He might as well be living under some stairs. I mean, he is. You have to take stairs That's down true. into the sex hole. He's living under a ladder, technically. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so Archie wants Jughead, because he's a famous writer, to, to, to write the speech for Pops. Do the big speech for the retirement party. And, uh, Jughead, being the famous writer that he is, like, practically every time we've seen Jughead writing across five seasons now, is just staring at a blank page that says chapter one. Yes. <laughs> I have never seen a writer do less writing than Jughead Jones. So, uh, Archie goes to see Reggie, and he's like... Hey, I hear you're like security. I got some trouble with some tenants. And so Reggie comes to look at the ghoulie house and is like, I don't see any drug paraphernalia. And it's like, we all know that Reggie called them and they hid yeah. their shit. Yeah, we do a full walkthrough and Archie looks high and low and they, they don't find anything objectionable to, to back up the claim that this is some sort of drug haze flop house for for miscreants and floozies and as uh archie is leaving he spots polly 
in the back of the house. Yes. Also, I like that uh, the, the ghoulies have hung a gigantic American flag on one wall. Yeah, because there's nothing, uh, you know, you love more than being patriotic in America. They're such patriots, these goth teens. You know what? Fuck them up. I'm okay with this now. You, you think the, these kids that look like uh, uh, the, the misguided children of the cure listen to a lot of Toby Keith? Apparently. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's a hint that, uh, with their connection to, to Reggie, because that's one of the old flags that used to fly at the, the car dealership. Oh. Oh, that's why it's so big. Oh, okay, okay. Jughead is interviewing Pops at Pops for the speech. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Not a surprise, I guess. Sorry, Pops. And uh, they're having a good chat. And then Jughead looks out the window and he sees the scary guys that want to break his kneecaps. Yeah, these, we we didn't really talk about their fashion last week. So now that they're back, I have to say that these men look like they were born in a tannery. Yes. (laughs) There is nothing on them that is not leather. (laughs) I'm surprised they don't squeak between how greasy they appear to be and their leather jackets. Jughead, like, immediately, like, dives behind the counter. He makes little hand signals and like, shh, shh. Shh, I'm not here. I'm not here. Uh, and so they come in. They talk to Tabitha, and they're like, we're looking for a guy named Jughead. And she's like, that's a stupid-ass name. I don't remember <laughs> that. He's obviously not here. And they're like, well, give us a car call, sweetie, if you hear anything. And she's like, okay, pumpkin. <laughs> I like her. Yeah, yeah. Like, Tabitha, Tabitha was conspicuously watching the interview segment before. Th- that's the moment where she starts to, to warm up to Jughead, seeing that he clearly cares for her grandfather yeah. and is one of Grandpa's special guys. Yes. And so now, like, okay, that that bought enough respect that she'd cover for him. And seeing just how fucking shitty these dudes are, like, okay, fine, you've got the job. Because <laughs> you're yeah. one of my grandpa's guys. You're one of, you're one of my guys. Yeah. Hey, yo, I talk like you're ancient. Hey. And, yeah, so when Jughead gets up, yo, he's like, oh, yeah, I owe the money. And Pop's like... Well, how much, Jughead? I have some saved up. I can help. <laughs> Jesus Christ, I'm not taking your retirement money. No. <laughs> also, like, it's $10,000. <laughs> like, what the f- But, like, aw, Pops. I've been saving in a 401k for you, boy. I, I would have What is it? $85? I can, I can spare you that. So, uh, yeah, he gets... I got screwed over in the short squeeze, actually. I'm so, I'm so sorry, Jughead. Yeah, Jughead has the job. He's like, hey, Tabitha, can you, like, call them in a few days and just be like, he's got a job that maybe they won't break my legs. I'll send the money. We'll be fine. He's planning to send half of his salary directly to these billboys. So, $2.50? (laughs) You know, plus tips, but he doesn't have to tell them about the tips. I can't imagine there's a lot of heavy tippers in this town that is three quarters unhoused. That's why we're going with $5. Uh, so Veronica goes to see Reggie. Uh, she wants to buy a used car with cash only. And so he immediately knows that she's running from somebody. She, Maybe a lot of somebody. He's like, you should talk to your dad. Your dad will help you. Mm-hmm. And like, then she leaves and doesn't buy a car. <laughs> it's very weird. I like, I like that Reggie's actor is using his quarantine hair as a character choice, much like Fang's. Yeah. He's so greasy. He's so greasy. He's the greasiest. And I kind of love it. 
Uh, Archie goes to see Betty and fills her in on the fact that he saw Polly. And that his visit with Reggie was planned. He didn't expect to find anything because he knew Reggie would tip them off. He just needed a way to get in the house and, and see who is where and how many people you can expect there on a given day. And uh, uh, uh. I am glad that they like put in the point that it was to see the people mm-hmm. and not to see the layout of his house that he grew up in. <laughs> Because it would have been really funny if he was like, I needed to see the layout. And like, dude, you live there. You don't remember where the bathroom was? There's been seven years for them to go all HGTV on this fucking house. It could be a wide open floor plan. It could have one of those like cages in the basement that always show up on Zillow for some reason. Maybe there's a baptismal font. (laughs) Uh, since Polly was involved, Betty is all ready to kick some ass. So they get everyone... She asks, quote, when do we kick their asses? Yes. So <laughs> This is illegal! <laughs> She's FBI! So, so, they get the gang together. This is the an gang, interesting gang to get together. The gang consists of Archie. Yes. Betty, the FBI agent. Yes. Sheriff Keller. But, but plainclothes Sheriff Keller. He does not go in with his badge. Nope. Kevin. Kevin. <laughs> In a bulletproof vest. Kevin in Kevlar. Kevlarin. And Fangs and Sweet Pea. Fangs and Sweet Pea are there because, as serpents, they love to rumble with ghoulies. They can't get enough. They've missed it. They've missed it. Kevin does not really give a justification for why he's there. He is there to make sure Fangs doesn't die. His whole thing is, no one's going to die here tonight. <laughs> Especially not my boyfriend. No dying. That's true. That's, that's his line, is that no one dies. I, I want him to take his bulletproof vest and put, like, a big red cross on it, and I need him with a white bag. What is this team-up? <laughs> Especially, why Kevin? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Love that he's involved, but, like, why Kevin? Kevin came up with the tactical plan. Archie got the intel, and he uh, played it out using his homebrew Stratego variant. Kevin has been running the high school FBI club. <laughs> That's the other thing he does. He runs like 10 after school clubs in addition to his six classes. Well, there's like 12 students, so. <laughs> no, there's 100. We know this. But so so they they go in to bust this house. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Betty in her FBI jacket. Yes. Yes. She's the only person who's apparently representing some sort of legal authority. And they literally all, except for Kevin, because I didn't see him. But literally everyone takes like baseball bats to ghoulie heads. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Kevin is handed a, a baton in the suit up scene. <laughs> he, he is armed. They just beat the shit out of them. (laughs) This is the scene where we get the flashiest shot of the episode. Every episode needs a flashiest shot. It's a steady cam tracking shot through uh, the first floor, the very familiar first floor of the Andrews house, where where most of our characters get their their one shot to, like, ambush a ghoulie. Except for, like, Kevin. Except for Kevin. I think it's really because he, like, went to find the drugs. Because <laughs> yeah. he comes back and he did find he have... all the jingle jangle. He found the the drug making setup, which apparently they took down and reset up mm-hmm, mm-hmm. pretty fast. Well, yeah, that's where the money comes out. <laughs> yeah, and so they they have everyone lined up on their knees and they're like, here's the drugs. And Betty's like, yeah, that's enough to arrest them all. Mm-hmm, Me, mm-hmm. the person who's not technically an FBI agent yet. Because <laughs> um, that's no. a thing we keep going back to. Yeah, she she's still a, a trainee. She's not a full agent yet, uh, which I 
do believe means she doesn't have arrest powers. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think only special agents have arrest powers. That's the difference between an agent and a special agent of the FBI. Betty. <laughs> Betty. So, uh, now, now the thing is, that as covered earlier, as an eviction, this is entirely illegal. Yeah. You cannot get away with this. The ghoulies will have your ass in court. If Mary knew what you were doing to her rental property, she would know exactly how screwed she is. But because the Fourth Amendment has been so eroded, this would stand as a completely legal drug bust, I, I believe. Fuck everything. An FBI agent saw massive quantities of drugs out in the window. They didn't even have their blinds closed. She saw pixie sticks. <laughs> you didn't know it was drugs. That's See, that's the key, is you make your drugs look like candy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then you're like, what are you talking about? You know what you just uh, made happen? Hmm. Cops can now pull you over and harass you if they see you with candy. Oh, my God. It's a Snickers bar. <laughs> that that's how Fourth Amendment case law works over the last twenty years. That's how it goes. Ignorance is not an excuse unless you're a cop. Cops get every fucking excuse. Look up the process of evidence laundering. If one cop enters into evidence that is illegally found, uh, that that would be inadmissible, but another cop comes across it in a database or whatever and does not know that it was illegally found, then they can use it and it becomes admissible again. No. Which means the police are heavily incentivized to have really shitty, really lax, overstepping databases as long as they lie and tell the, the individual officers that it's not those things. Or as long as the officers can convincingly to a judge say that they believed uh, it was on the up and up. This is America, the real one, not the Riverdale one. It's so much more fucked up in real life <laughs> than in Riverdale. And that's something. So, since they don't find Polly, <laughs> uh, Betty decides to call her place of work and is like, Hey, it's Polly. Uh, what's my schedule for next week? And they're like, uh, you haven't worked here for a year. This is a very strange phone call to get. You should probably know you don't work here anymore. <laughs> Also, you know, sometimes they don't know. Restaurants and nightclubs, I assume even more so, have pretty high turnover. Why would the person picking up the phone know, oh yeah, Polly, she quit a year ago. You probably started working here two months ago. <laughs> that is so true. But anyway, something about Polly's story just isn't adding up. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, so meanwhile, Weatherby finds out that, uh, two other teachers have deflected to Stonewall. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and Tony has found the secret agenda for the town hall meeting. Yes. Or the school board meeting, or whatever it is. It seems to be both when we get there. Yes. Yeah. It includes Hiram wanting to unincorporate the town. Yes. Uh, as mayor of Riverdale, he wants to dissolve... Riverdale. It won't it won't exist anymore. <laughs> I can't believe, though, you didn't want to talk about one of the teachers that defected. Miss Crouton. I missed the name. You I, missed the name Miss Crouton? I missed Miss Crouton. Who and, was the other one? And Kevin swearing under his breath, damn it, Miss Crouton, that backstabbing <gasps> He stops himself from saying the B word. Oh, Kevin. Kevin almost says the B word. I must have been too busy making a note. <laughs> 
I miss this. I'm upset with myself. I was certain, damn it, Miss Crouton would be your pick for the episode title. It is now. It's mine. It's now that I know it exists. Because I was like, you know, this episode hasn't had great lines. It has Miss Crouton. It had, damn it, Miss Crouton. That backstabbing hyphen. He doesn't even get cut off. He cuts himself off. And then Tony starts talking about the secret. Kevin's a special baby boy who isn't (laughs) going to swear. The thing is, okay, Kevin's a teacher. He's now a teacher. Mm-hmm. He now has that that power to stop these swear words before they come out. Ah, that's how it works. Yes, and it only works in school settings. Yeah, I was going to say you don't have that power ad- oh, ever oh no. that I've seen. It's something you turn on. It's okay. like, oh, there's a child within a certain radius of me. I can do it. So Riverdale. May- yeah, the show. Maybe no more. <laughs> oh, well, no, oh, the, the, the show town. is definitely going to be more, but the town may be no more. Yeah. Um, so they, they're making a plan. Archie has to be educated on what that would mean? Yeah. Oh, about being unincorporated? Yeah. So Alice gives a little spiel about how, like, we're not going to get any money. There'll be no budget. There'll be no support. There'll for, be all the For things. anything. For any public service. Well, you already don't have that, so you're really going to be much <laughs> worse. Uh, so Alice is going to uh, announce this in the paper. Archie's like, well, well I can help. With the school. Mm-hmm. And there, Alice is like, how? Because we have no teachers. We need teachers who have degrees. Do you have a degree? Oh. And then someone brings up, well, we could relax our hiring standards if only we were a private school. <laughs> this fucking episode. Tenants' rights don't matter. Legal, but really fucking shouldn't be raids on people's homes. And now... Let's privatize schools. Public schools just aren't viable. You know, it was a nice idea, but uh, yeah, private schools are the only way. Uh, It's just a matter of which private school you send your kid to, the the nice one or the evil one. What the fuck is this show anymore? I don't know, and I don't like it. This really, I was just like, what the fuck? And the whole argument is like, well, if we become private and we get an investor, we can hire whoever we want. Because mm-hmm. private schools don't have requirements. <laughs> so, Archie, you could be a teacher. Mm-hmm. Did you ever get your high school diploma? What? 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 Being a private school is their way of taking any power over the schools that, that Mayor Hiram, who has bought many, many public officials, has. Okay. But, like, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. It's so fucking weird. Uh, and this is why they can't, like, specifically say that vouchers are the enemy. This is honestly, <laughs> this is a solution that fits perfectly with the, the school voucher argument. Yeah. You know, private schools, but good for poor people. So, uh, Veronica goes to Hiram for help, and she's all like, Chad is threatened by my elfiness. She makes a little gesture at Alphaness. Don't like it. And because of that, I blew out the tires on the goons he had following me. <laughs> yeah. So uh, and, I do like that she's immediately bought her slim feminine pistol. And so Hiram's like, ah, oh, young love, I remember that. <laughs> and instead of being like, Daddy, I'm going to divorce this asshole, she's like, Daddy, can you talk to him in the way only you know how to do? And I assume she means beat his face in? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But he's like, no. Even Hiram is sick of Veronica's waffling. 
Yeah. Yeah. Like, okay, you you said your thing. You you wouldn't touch my boo-boos. You called me a dog. You called me a dog instead of touching my boo-boos. And then you, you got me out of all of my businesses, even though I got them back, like, as soon as you left for college, apparently. Uh, apparently. <laughs> so uh, we're done. No, thank you. And he's like, well, I wor- warned you that no one would understand Lodge ambition when you married him. And I'm like, so who's she supposed to be with? Marry me, daughter. Marry me now. That's literally, I'm like, is that what he's implying? Is, like, no one understands you like daddy? Like, what? It's creepy. Or rather, like, ma- marry no one. Be be my little uh, uh, caged bird forever. It's weird. Yeah. Back at the Cooper household. We see these evil, creepy little babies. They don't look very evil and creepy, but I know they are. <laughs> well, yeah, they're, they're half blossom. Yes. I love that they have strawberry blonde hair. Yes. It's the best of uh-huh, both, uh-huh. Uh, both parents. They meet that red and blonde in the middle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's very nice. They, they are descended from both Penelope Blossom and Alice Cooper and Hal Cooper. They have to be evil. <laughs> and they Clifford Blossom. Be. They have four evil grandparents. I do not care that they are just sitting at a table coloring, <laughs> eating some apple slices. I'm like, these children are going to stab you in your sleep and they eat your heart. They must be evil. They must. Remember when they floated? They're f- <laughs> they float. Okay? These children are going to come back and they're going to kill people. This show, if which they is... don't... Fuck you, Roberto. It's so, so absorbed into family legacy and and uh, uh, genetic sin. There's no way these kids aren't evil. I'm sorry. And if they don't do it, they just fucked up everything. <laughs> Betty's all like, Polly, I know that you don't waitress. I called. You don't work there. And you're hanging out with the ghoulies. So what the fuck are you doing? And Polly's all like, you don't live here. You deserted us. Big family argument. Big family argument. Uh, Polly blows up and and runs, as she does, sometimes for seasons at a time. Who knows if she'll be back. And uh, Those kids, actually, that's the first time they've seen their mom in, like, (laughs) three years. And Alice is, once again, uh, just trying to very scatteredly paper things over and essentially takes Polly's side on this. Like, yeah, Betty, you aren't around. You don't know what's up. Shut your fucking face. I love you, but you're a nosy little creep. Shut it. Uh, So Jughead is in the sex hole writing. Mm -hmm. And what I've never noticed is that the sex hole has a fridge. How did they get that down there? Teamwork. Like, fridges are really heavy. You either get a rope or uh, Sweet Pea drops it from the top and Fangs catches it from the bottom because they are strong, stupid boys. Uh, so his agent calls and is all like, where's your story? You gotta have a story. And Jughead freaks out and, like, emails him the speech he's writing about Pop. Hey, uh, uh, you know what you're being paid to write? A book. You know what a retirement speech isn't? A book. (laughs) Your publisher doesn't want a writing sample to know you're good at writing. You're out of school. They want a book to sell for (laughs) money. They want to make the money. Betty and Archie are at the home of the what was the ghoulies, but they've kicked them out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ar- Archie has uh, returned to his ancestral home. Uh, they are cleaning. They're cleaning from both the raid and all the, the ghoulies' detritus. Uh, and Archie's all like, 
we should hang out after Pop's retirement party, the four of us. We should yeah, do that. Yeah, absolutely. He's, he's all like, hey, Betty, let me, like, order us pizza for pizza. me, like, thanking you. Pizza. And she's all like, okay, pizza's great. And then they're like, I'm too sweaty for pizza. I am also too sweaty for pizza. There's only one shower here. Like, this is a porn plot. <laughs> the, the, thing I- <laughs> the only difference is they're not sleeping with the guy that brings the pizza. <laughs> I just love that he's like, I'm going to order you pizza to thank you. But I'm going to take a shower first. So you just have to wait. Yeah. I'm like, order the pizza. Go shower. When you're done. It takes like pizza. 45 <laughs> minutes for the pizza to get. What? But yeah. So uh, they talk about showering and they make faces at each other. And then suddenly we have a whole new level of steamy, sexy time. Is, sometimes... When you need to get clean, you got to get a little dirty. There is side boob. Yeah, this is the this, this horniest. Is, <laughs> this is the CW at like 10 o'clock. If they had shows at 10 o'clock, this would be it. I guess we are really taking to heart that they are no longer teens, so we can do this. Yeah, yeah, I've, that's got to be what it is. Because like clearly, you know, time slot concerns, they could have done this any moment. But that they're doing it now... I, th- I think you're right. They really want to push the envelope. It's the hottest sex scene. There have been some hot sex scenes. It is. Like season one finale getting put up on that countertop. Yeah, wake me up, babe. <laughs> but as far as like skin goes, this oh is my. the one. So much skin. Oh my God. It is just so polar opposite of every other sex scene <laughs> they've ever had. It's also bizarre, we, though, because, We've like, seen a lot of Camila Mendez, to be fair. Like, we've seen a lot of her back like, and, and This is a different level, though. But yes, Because, yes. again, the angles, the mm-hmm, steaminess, the mm-hmm. close-ups. It's yes. part of it's the close-up. It's a very intimate camera, so to speak. And it's so... It just makes me really think, though, now about, like, different CW and even WB shows that came before that was, like, they really did have the shows that were, like... Teen Riverdale sexy time, and then they had the shows that were adult Riverdale sexy time. <laughs> so now one must ask, why didn't we get this scene with FP and Alice years ago? Right. Right? Right. Like, what the hell? I saw the picture of, like, the hand on the shower curtain thing, I know, you wanted which... it to be Kevin. I'm mad now, because <laughs> I'm like, just ignoring those boys, and we could have done it. But... Here's my thing with that, though. Hand on the shower curtain rod. Is I'm like, that's never smart. You don't know if that's attached to the wall well. Is that permanent placement shower curtain thing? Or is that one of those ones that's like the the expansion bars? It's just going to move. That might not be a great place to grab. This home was built with the blood, sweat, and tears of three generations of Andrews men. That thing is not coming out. I'm just saying the ghoulies live there. They might have changed some things up. You're talking about HGTV. Like, come on. Betty didn't live there. She didn't use that shower. I'm just saying there are other places to grab Betty. Mm-hmm. 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 So, yeah, they, they turned their clawfoot tub into more of a curled toes tub. And the next scene is the retirement party. The next scene is them putting their clothes back on. Okay. Yeah, okay. Making googly eyes at each other as they talk about, like... What does this mean for us? Nothing much. Do we have to tell anybody? Nah. We're adults. We can sleep around. Yeah, <laughs> Veronica just told you you could yesterday. <laughs> she expects you to. Yes. Yeah, it's it's Pop's retirement party. And just now, it occurs to me how tacky it is. 
how like rude it is to order pizza before going to a restaurateur's <laughs> retirement party. Like, okay, I get you don't want anybody there to have to work during the party, but you are putting your restaurant dollars in some other business in town today. Well, no, no, no. They're the only restaurant. Oh, Pops delivers pizzas now. Yeah. Okay. Out the back okay. door. It's the back side of the restaurant. It's the pizza shop. <laughs> A different teenager runs that. We haven't met them yet. It's his nephew. <laughs> um, but Archie gives Pops... His Letterman jacket? A new Letterman jacket? He gives Pop Tate his own brand new Letterman jacket because it has embroidered on it Pop Tate. Okay. It has his name on it. And this touches uh, uh, Pop so, so deeply because... He never graduated high school. He dropped out uh, to run the business when when his pop uh, uh, was no longer able to due to health, much like Fred and Grandpa Andrews at Andrews Construction. Yes. And so it, it means the world to him. It's, it's very special. Jughead comes out and uh, he's in his waiter uniform. Yes. And gives... Uh, <laughs> he's working the party. He's the help. And gives his speech... Which is all about how Pop created a place for lost and wayward souls, mm -hmm. and that it was a lighthouse in the storm. And, it's a very nice speech. And, you know, he. The most important thing, though, is that he was there for people, that he was there for Jughead, and maybe the only reason Jughead, like, made it through, and he made a home for everyone. Yes. It's very nice. I'm gonna use my speech to remind everybody I was homeless. <laughs> I might still, I'm still be, be dealing with some problems. <laughs> Thank you for giving me a job. Jughead, the problem with your approach here is you understand subtext as a literary novelist, but you're talking to Archie Andrews here. He's not getting it. He understands punches to the face. And so they all toast the speech with milkshakes, and it's very nice mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. sweet. But uh, Tony has seen another guest to the party who didn't want to interact. She has a business meeting with her prospective angel investor, Cheryl Blossom. Yes. Uh, apparently, uh, Cheryl has basically been dragged from her home that she doesn't leave. Yeah, she, she's become um, a total recluse, of course. Um, though she does comment that Pop was always basically kind to her in mm -hmm. ways no one else was. Which is to say at all, I guess. Yeah, and I'm like, well, you were never very kind to him. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Yes, so Tony is like, hey, will you fund the school? And Cheryl's like, well, Thorndale renovations are kind of a lot, so uh, no. How many times have you burned that place down lately? She's also like, I don't want to get involved. Yeah, her, her big concern that, that Tony that Tony knows all too well is that you, even with all of her dreams of being a positive force for Riverdale, it, it has all gone sour. Everything she, she touched collapses and becomes corrupted as part of this curse, or at least that is how Cheryl sees it. Yes. And I have to say, saving the school by turning it private, yeah, that sounds pretty fucking corrupt to me. Yes, Ch Cheryl's right. Cheryl's right. But instead, Tony pushes, and she's like, well, do it for me. If you ever loved me, please finance an entire private school. To the point that they do not charge tuition. That aside from, oh, I don't know, uh, requiring qualified teachers, uh, other regulatory oversight. Uh, uh, <laughs> like, there's a lot of important things to public schooling besides not, you know, charging students to attend. Yeah. Yeah. 
private do private schools have to follow Title IX? Like what the fuck? The next scene is in the student lounge. Archie has uh, had Veronica, Betty, and Jughead sneak in with him for old time sakes. Yeah. You know when they said goodbye to the student lounge, they were not saying goodbye to the student lounge. I'm just kind of like, why didn't you invite, like, Kevin and shit? He was the one that was very like, this might be the last time we're here. (laughs) But the whole reason that Archie hasn't, like, I mean, he wanted to hang out with them, but he is, of course, going off about how, you know, Hiram is trying to close everything down and they can stop him and they can do that by being teachers here. Mm -hmm. All four of them. Mm-hmm. Jughead, you're a good writer, and, like, you always said Pops was the place you wrote the best, so you should stay here. And Veronica, you can commute to the city, because, again, geography, yep, screw yep. that. This this town is walking south. It's on some sort of tectonic plate, I think. He goes on to say, like, you know, we only gotta be teachers for a few months until Weatherby, like, gets yes. real teachers. Start the clock. We have, quote, a month or two. Start the clock. Here's my thing. is like, Weatherby's literally saying, school gonna close next Monday. <laughs> They're like, well, you know what we can do in the weekend? We can get a funder and we can all become teachers by Monday. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What? They're gonna have to keep fundraising and that's why they do uh, uh, Rocky Horror Shadowcasts to save the rec center. <laughs> I mean, I know we're like totally ditching like teacher requirements, mm-hmm. but I'm pretty sure like, there's paperwork mm-hmm. you have to fill out that takes a while. You got to at least do a background check. Like, <laughs> don't care how what type of school you work for. There is at least a background check you got to do and you got to wait for that to clear. Yeah, uh, Mr. Mr. Jones, uh, it says here that you were king of a biker gang for a period of time. Uh, that it was known to traffic in, in marijuana. Am I pronouncing that correctly? And, <laughs> and was blamed for uh, uh, something called Riot Night. Can you describe the events of Riot Night? <laughs> a Jughead actually is like, you know, I could do it. I need to clear it with my other job first. Yeah, yeah. Jughead is going to put half of his diner salary to his debts, half of his teacher salary to paying for food at the diner. The other half of his diner salary is going to go to his rent back in New York, and the other half of his teacher salary is going to go to various charities. He, he's a he's a generous yeah, yeah. man. Uh, and so everyone's on board and like, yeah, I'll stay. We'll do this. And Archie's like, so bulldogs forever, guys? And they're like, yeah, bulldogs in, forever. Bulldog. It's so limp. Like, they're none like, of them, yay. like, identify. Like, I, I believe all of them identify with this school, but like, the bulldogs forever chant, they do not sell. It's clear Archie was the only one who did a sport. I love it because it just reminds me of when he was in jail and he's like, you didn't get to experience <laughs> the highs and lows. <laughs> the highs and lows of football. And that's what I feel like. He's like, yeah, bulldogs. And they're like, okay, sports. Cool. Mad Dog was about to organize a hunger strike to improve conditions and you just made them play football. High school football. <laughs> yeah. I think it's clear that parts of this episode to- totally lose me and and 
make me throw up my hands. But the the let's all be teachers at our old school together is so delightfully contrived. It's just so. It's it's a it is a kind of sublime madness. Honestly, how like, do we keep these teens in high school? They all work in the high school. Here's the thing: is I knew. They were going to figure out how to rope a few of them in. <laughs> I didn't know we were going with all of yeah. them. Just that it's one size fits all is amazing. <laughs> and that now there are such clear lines drawn. The The good characters work at the school. The bad characters work outside the school. <laughs> there are some good characters that work outside the school, but they are very close to the characters that work at the school. <laughs> I hate this. <laughs> it's... Uh... I I love it. I think it is the perfect kind of stupid. All I have to say is that the next episode better be at least half of them completely fucking up how to be teachers and having no idea what they're doing. Yes. It's, it's just so forced. <laughs> so, um... It's time for the school board, town hall, whatever this is, meeting. Mm-hmm. And Tony speaks about, you know, Riverdale and is like, you know, we got help from a donor, so we're going to have a private school and tuition's free, and we got notable alumni here that are going to be the teachers. <laughs> and so she, she... And there's a roll call. She, uh, yes, including Sergeant Andrews. Uh, so Archie made it all the way to, to a, a non-commissioned officer rank. Congratulations. And Veronica Gecko. Veronica Gecko. Yeah, we did Chadwick Gecko. We didn't mention, not not only not only is Betty's therapist uh, named Dr. Star as a very direct reference to Silence of the Lambs, but Chad's last name is Gecko because of Gordon Gecko from the film Wall Street. Oh, yes, yes. The, the fuck that greed is good. That movie, that guy, yeah. Chad Gecko. Maybe his dad is Gordon. Who knows? They're all like, "We're doing this thing," and Hiram's just like. Fuck you, I'm still unincorporating the town. <laughs> I like that Archie is wearing his El Royale sweatshirt. Yes. Like, he apparently closed this gym, but he was still printing custom merch just for him. Well, he had a gift shop <laughs> that had a lot of merchandise still available. Yeah, and those are yeah. all his clothes now. It's like a if a Bubba Gump shrimp company... Uh, lost their their liquor license and got shut down by the the health inspector. They could still have the gift shop. I mean, that's basically what's going on at Navy Pier right now. <laughs> so yeah, we we have a, a respected sergeant. Okay, we have a Yale educated uh, FBI trainee. Sure, we have a very successful businesswoman from uh, uh, from Barnard. And celebrated novelist and, and Iowa grad, Jughead uh, uh, Forsyth Jones III. Yeah, what was that? Where's the Pendleton? I don't think they've ever said Pendleton on screen. Forsyth has been said, but I don't think even, like, Grandpa Jones got, got the Pendleton. I, I feel like it's been used a few times. I, I know we've seen it written on, like, his arrest record. It, so, yeah, ju- just what the, these desperate teens need in these desperate times in this desperate town... Inexperienced teachers that don't plan to be there very long. Who aren't committed for the long haul. Who've never made a lesson plan in their life. Uh, None of them have any scientific (sighs) 
backing. I don't know who's teaching biology in this school. Kevin's going to pick up the slack for all of them, like always. Are we going to say that Veronica's time day trading makes her the math teacher? Economics. (laughs) Uh, I mean, okay, so Jughead's obviously the English teacher. Obviously. Archie's doing P-E and... R-R-O-T-C. Yes, yes. And the new football coach. And the football coach. Because he was so good at football. Betty is forensic science? Uh, Betty's social studies. Okay. With a heavy focus on criminal law and how to subvert it. Veronica is like, debate? (laughs) (laughs) How to win a debate? Call daddy. (laughs) Daddy says no. Oh, fuck. I don't know step two. And Kevin's everything else. Kevin's everything else. And yeah. He, including sex ed. He just really wants to push that one off on someone else. No one no one else will take it. Nobody wants that hot potato. Uh, so, so yeah, The after this bombshell rocks Hiram's world, the, the school he wants to close so badly cannot be closed by him, uh, at least through these legal means. Uh, It's time to do his other uh, bit of business uh, and call for a vote to dissolve Riverdale. His final act is mayor, he hopes, fingers crossed. And through a narrow three to two vote on the council and roughly (laughs) half and half in the crowd. Why is the crowd voting? I was so confused. This must be entirely symbolic, right? I was so confused because I'm like... We didn't count all those votes quick enough, or are we not counting those votes? I don't think who actually gets to vote in this. So everybody is just like going on record, even though it makes sense that the only votes are the the city council members who vote to yes, dissolve Riverdale. I don't know what the show's gonna be called now. That area around Pops, I guess, is the the name of the show now? I mean, is it considered like when you're unincorporated, you're like a township, right? I guess. I, we now have the Township of Riverdale. Right? Which is, is that wh- what you are? Which is where the county sheriff's office happens to be, which is where the largest school, uh, formerly public school around happens to be. Like, is that is that how that works? Nobody cares how it works. I I'm actually very interested. I searched for what happens when you unincorporate a town, and uh, it said, did you mean what happens when you incorporate a town? No. <laughs> How do you start your own town? Everybody wants to talk about towns. Nobody wants to talk about (laughs) killing them. Killing them dead in a ditch where they deserve to die. (laughs) Next episode, Dr. Curdle V does a (laughs) fucking autopsy on the town of Riverdale. Jughead's voiceover comes back after this and is all like, what took decades to build was struck down. And he gets a call from his agent who's like, oh my god, they loved your story! They loved your pages. They didn't understand that it was a speech you wrote for somebody. They, they thought it was a short story for the New Yorker, I guess. What? Apparently publishers don't know how to read. So they want him to write a whole book about the tragic old man and towns falling apart. And he's like, I don't want to. And he's like, yeah, all you that, have to. All that sad ass shit about awful people and their shitty lives and how much they suck and how, how much better we all are to not be those fucking losers. Hey, what do you want? And Jughead doesn't want to write that book very bad. And I'm, I'm just like, Jughead, you don't have to. You can say no. Jughead, you've spent so long not writing books. You're the best at it. You Guess can also what? not write this one. You have two new careers. <laughs> You're good. You're good. Back at the Cooper household, we find out that Polly got angry. She stormed off. 
Betty is is dealing with her mom and realizing, like, wow, my family's fucked up. I mean, Betty, in their last conversation, Betty did accuse her of being a drug pusher and or a sex worker. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Veronica uh, zooms with Chad. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, that she is not coming home. She is going to be teaching and he better better unfreeze uh, their accounts in the next 30 minutes or this she-wolf will tear out your throat in front of all the alpha dogs on Wall Street. Yeah, yeah. So Veronica's a furry. We all know this. Uh, But also, I... Sounds like a weird kink. I don't understand that, hey... You better let me stay here where you don't want me to be, or else I'm going back to New York where you do want me to be. But you won't like it as much as you think. Yeah, it's just all fucked up. Yeah, okay, okay. Uh, so Archie's texting Betty, and he gets a knock on the door, and it's Jughead. And he's like, hey, I would like to have running water, please. Please? Do you, do you want a Please? roommate? You have a really big house. And he's like, but what about the five seasons? Dude, I'm fucking poor. I haven't flushed a toilet in three weeks, Archie. <laughs> and he's like, okay, dude. And I'm like, oh my god. Which I said that they were going to live together. Yeah. I predicted yeah. that. I mean, they should live together. They're best bros. Best bros. They should. Oh. Please tell me Jughead gets his own room and bed, though, and he doesn't have to sleep on the floor next to Archie's bed. The more chances these characters have to be together, like, say, being roommates, the more likely it will be that they are friends who talk about things instead of just getting wrapped up in the, the business of the day. Yes. Betty tries calling Polly and leaves her a sorry voicemail. And as uh, she is leaving that voicemail, we cut to Polly running down the darkened streets of Riverdale, away from, from Skeletruck! 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 But yeah, the, Polly has previously been shown in a blue coat with with a furry <laughs> collar. Now she's in her like light brown, her, her tan coat with a furry collar. Yeah, you love her coat. I like them both! You love those coats. She must like them. She bought them twice. This is true. And this that is, is the end of the episode. So darling, what did you think of chapter 81, The Homecoming? <laughs> Uh, I mean, we talked about it for, like, a really long time, so mm-hmm, I guess mm-hmm. it wasn't, like, completely awful, but I had a lot of issues with this one. I think we talked about it for a very long time because we kept wanting to talk about other things. This is true. It went downhill so much more from last time. <laughs> everything with Hiram, everything with the town being a shithole, everything with, like, boo public schools, like, all this stuff, it's just too much. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I would love if we ever, any of the times Hiram Lodge seemed to be ruined, if he ever was for a while. Because I think he would be a much more interesting antagonist yeah. if we saw him claw his way back up. If we watched him make moves to get, you know, his muscle back. We never see that happen. We see him have it. We see him flex it. We see him lose it. And then he just has it. This could have been the time. This could have been after where we left things off, have him him coming out of the game, uh, uh, crack his neck. He, he's been pulling some strings. He's been, he's been planning a long game, and now he's back in Riverdale. T- time to launch Sodale for real this time. But instead, it's already happened. It's nearly all wrapped up, which, yeah, okay, that, that makes a, a big, scary monolith for them to face, but it's just the same old thing again. Yeah. And it's boring. 
the best things about this episode. Mm-hmm. Skeletruck. Skeletruck. It's Hot. a great three seconds. I'm not I'm not a big fan of uh Betty Archie, but hot steamy sex scene. I I am. I like them together. I like I really like that everybody is leaving uh, uh at least for now their high school lives behind. They they think on them fondly. That is not leaving their high school lives behind. <laughs> yeah, it's not. And I think that's what it bugs me about is like I don't think they should go there immediately. Yes. I'd be fine with it a few episodes in when they actually start spending time together again and are like, right now it's, it's oh, we're doing the booty call we wanted to always do when we were 17. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It would be interesting to see this, like, contrasted with somebody else getting it in a relationship that they you could never have dreamed of when these yeah. kids were in high school, right? Yeah. I think what I'm, I'm worried about is it's going to become very, like, serious very fast for them when it's like okay well if it is just like we're having casual fun adult sex mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like what have if- some good times together but I'm, I'm i'm worried it's gonna become like a whole big thing mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Like, oh people find out another drama and not we're not to that point yet yeah yeah one problem i'm having with these past two episodes i guess this one in particular is that also is she with that guy or not <laughs> that fbi dude is that her boyfriend or not it's complicated. She just cheat. It's I'm complicated. Like, I don't know what's going on. We all watched Fringe. We know that FBI agents are always kissing each other all the time. It's more like they want to. They can't smooch immediately because he's not an agent. He's they, he's a yeah, civilian. They have to wait uh, until uh, he is. Yeah, and then they can smooch. She can't smooch consultants. She has to smooch partners. Okay, fine. <laughs> Which Fringe is so good. If Fringe you have is not so watched Fringe, you need to watch Fringe. I love Fringe. A hundred great episodes. So good. Okay, like... It's like... 90 great episodes. You know, nothing's perfect. It's <laughs> like one of my top favorite shows ever. <laughs> but something that I loved about the graduation episode, go back and listen to uh, Sex Archie episode 79, it felt like home, uh, to be reminded, is that in the final moments, it seemed like everybody realized high school was over, their high school selves had, you know, the book closed on them. They had changed and would continue to change and go on and be different people. Mm-hmm. And now, while it is perhaps realistic that when they all come back to this context, they fall into old ruts, it makes that it, it makes that less satisfying in retrospect. Yes. Because it's so easy, it's so fast for them to fall into it, and they fit so neatly into it again. Mm-hmm. I'm going to recommend people watch a few episodes of a show called Encore on Disney Plus, if you have it, (laughs) to see what I mean. Because that show is about people going back to high school and reconnecting with people they were in high school with. Mm -hmm. And every episode has this incredible mix of people who are still really tied up in who they were in high school and people who are very different and could not become that person again if they tried. Yes. And I wish, I wish uh, Riverdale 2 had that mix. Yeah. Instead, everybody seems to be on the one side. I guess Tony. Tony is the most... And Cheryl honestly isn't. Like, Cheryl seems like a completely different person, but this is just a mood swing that you would expect from high school Cheryl in a second. Yeah. Yeah. Tony's the only one that, like, seems to have become, like, still herself, but like a mature, confident version of herself who knows who she is. Yes, yes. Yeah. And only having one person on the other side of that line doesn't make for an interesting or, or dramatic tension. There, it's, it's imbalanced. 
Yeah. And that show, Encore, is so good. It is so interesting. Mm -hmm, And I hope mm -hmm. they make more. And it's interesting to see that uh, uh, balance, the way it shifts depending on how long ago uh, the people in this particular episode were in high school. Yeah. Because, like... The, the like 45 year uh, uh, reunion has a very different feel to like the eight years or whatever yeah. people. Yes, this is very, <laughs> very, very true. Yeah, and I, th- I think that's part of it is just that they there's no variety to what is going on with these characters in that sense. They're all like, okay, at least one of them should have been like, oh. What if one of them had kids? What if instead of being nagged for kids, Veronica had kids? Yeah. Or, like, actually did want to go back to her husband. Yeah. Like, if it wasn't him. If any of them had the tension of really wanting to go back to the life they had at the beginning of last episode. Yes. Yes. And actually having, like, that conflict. And I think the one that's the weirdest is is Betty. Like, yeah, okay, there's all this shit going on with the trash bag killer and Mm -hmm, stuff mm -hmm. there. Well, and it's just so weird because she is the one that has, like, the most potential to actually have, like, the career she wanted and the things she wanted and all that. Which, again, stuff's going on, but it's like, she's like, oh, I'm not gonna, I won't go back to Quantico right now. Like, wait, what? Why not? Why not? Like, I, or my prediction for her was that she was just going to, instead of closing down the FBI agent, you know, agency there, satellite location is, was to, like, reopen it for some reason. Mm-hmm. Still doing what she planned to do. And I'm just like, it feels really weird that she's just like, yep. I'll be a teacher. Gotta keep an eye on my family. This episode's plot for Betty does really try to explain why she wants to stay here. You know, it, it is her family. It's it's Alice and the, the twins. Now Polly's gone missing. But I don't... It's something that, again, would be helped if the friends were portrayed more like friends. If she talked about that to Archie when they were getting dressed. Yes. There There's an opportunity in that conversation to have them talk about more than just the two of them. Yeah. It's it's all of it. If yeah, we actually talked about what was going on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just taking another step for, further of like why I can't afford the f- five seasons, Archie. If people want to break my kneecaps. If Betty had talked about how awful she felt about you know how things left off with Polly to Jughead in the very beginning of the episode, mm-hmm. make the friends be friends. Yeah, and use that as a way to 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 provide like structural support beams to their their stories as they branch away from each other. The show's frustrating me lately. I couldn't tell. I'm I'm glad there is something as beautifully goofy as let's all be teachers together cuz it's bulldogs forever. That is some galaxy brain shit for how to get your characters back in high school after they graduate high school. We we talked last week about, you know, them presenting trying to save Riverdale as reclaiming a, a mythical past that never uh, existed. Which is one of Umberto Eco's, like, you know, bullet points for fascism. Yeah. And while I'm like, okay, all right, I I don't think that's where they're going. But, like, this tenants' rights shit and, and, like, who needs a public school system? We just need good schools. Is, like, seriously destructive American conservatism. It certainly is that. Moki, you want to talk about predictions? Yes, Moki. Let's talk about predictions. (laughs) She's giving me a face. Like we mentioned, none of these uh, young adults is qualified to be a science teacher. You know what that means? Hmm. We're finally going to introduce Professor Flute Snoot. <gasps> Flute Snoot! The Archie Comics character I've been waiting for for years. Flute Snoot! 
So Polly dies because of Skeletruck. Uh-huh. There's a clear implication there, yes. Betty has to raise the twins because Alice has a nervous breakdown. My, my twins related prediction is that they are split between their aunts. One goes to Betty, one goes to, to Cheryl. Oh. But the two of them still stay connected through their telepathic link. Oh. Yeah, they're psychic creepo twins. It could also be that they go to Betty first and Betty's like, I can't do this. And then she they go to Cheryl and that's how Cheryl comes back around with oh, me. Oh, how Cheryl got her groove back. She raises babies. Yeah. The magical healing power of nine-year-olds. <laughs> this is less a prediction, just my hope mm-hmm, is that mm-hmm. they as teachers all get pulled through the gutter because the teens don't think they're cool. <laughs> Yeah, the teens are going to make fun of them for thinking skinny jeans were cool. Yes. Yeah, okay. But I never wore skinny jeans. There's four seasons of television. I never wore skinny jeans, I swear. I just wore miniskirts. All the time. I think Hiram miscalculated. Hiram built up all this power, all all of this influence. Uh, Every every move he made to make Sodale his, his perfect community was made with the authority of the office of mayor of Riverdale. Oh. Which he now is without. Yeah. And this, this is going to come back to bite him. This, along with uh, Reggie's eventual face turn, oh. are, are going to be what, what ruined Hiram Lodge in the end. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Jughead is obviously going to be an idiot and write this book. <laughs> and people are going to hate him, especially Tabitha, who I predict he gets it on with. I could, yeah. They become friends and then they become more than friends. And then she finds out about the book and she's like, you fucker. You know why Jughead is attracted to Tabitha? She smells like burgers grilling. That's what I was going to say. So darling, as it is the second installment of Riverdale 2, it is time for the second installment of our newest uh, uh, segment. That's right. Who are we talking about today? It is time to ask the question, Chuck Clayton, where were they then? We last Jail. <laughs> we last saw Chuck laying the groundwork for what appeared like like it might be a redemption arc. Uh, he was being a very nice boy in Carrie the Musical. He was never seen again. Dude went to college. Uh huh. Got accused of date rape. Mm-hmm. Went to jail. I think that <laughs> I think that Chuck Clayton, uh, uh, you know, he graduated earlier than than our main characters. That's why he wasn't seen. Yeah, time warp. Uh, he was a. He was supposed to be a year a, older, upper class, uh-huh. at least one year older. Uh, uh, so so that's why he, he's been off the show. He he uh, went to school. He studied art, probably at the the Mo Schubert Art School or or whatever fake name that uh, uh, the show would come up with. Uh, so he could follow his dream and, and draw comic books. He, he got a few fill-in jobs at, at the Big Two, started making a name for himself, and then was immediately blackballed b- because of sexual harassment accusations. Oh, good. We finally got there. Because I yes. was like, You're look- you view him a lot better than I do. But there we go. It's the long game. It's okay. the long <laughs> Uh, that, that sunk his, his mainstream career. He now self-publishes, raising uh, uh, money for print runs that never actually get shipped using Indiegogo. That fucker. <laughs> well, I'm glad we both have met somewhere in the middle on that one. <laughs> so now it is time to talk about the future. Not, not the future past, but the actual future. Yes. Our next episode is Chapter 82, Back to School. Uh, this is a movie that I think people have actually seen. 
I haven't. At least people who watched Comedy Central at a certain time in their lives, because they aired it all the time. Uh, it is, of course, the 1986 Rodney Dangerfield classic, where he, as an aged post-Caddyshack man, uh, goes back to school to get his degree and his his school of hard knock street smarts uh, go up against the, those Ivy Tower uh, intellectuals of the university. But he saves the day by doing a ridiculous and probably deadly diving stunt. Yeah, and so in this trailer, mm-hmm. Archie and Betty have lots of kissy sexy time. They, they, they seem s- to struggle to find places to have kissy sexy time because Archie has a roommate mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and Betty technically has roommates. Some would call them a mom and a nephew and niece. <laughs> roommates. 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 Uh, and then, um... There's a Mothman. <laughs> That's what I was gonna say. There's, there's just a Mothman. There's something with a Mothman. There, is, it, is it the Mothman? Is a bridge going to collapse? Who could say? Is it real? Is it fake? There is a, there's Ow. a welded sculpture of a Mothman with blue lighting? Is there a legendary Mothman or is there just a sculpture of Mothman? I don't know. What is this Mothman and where will Barchi fuck? Those are the two questions asked by the trailer. Where, oh, where shall my penis go? Mothman. It will go in Mothman. <laughs> Mothman has a great ass. Everybody knows this. Why do you think those eyes are glowing? <laughs> do you think Mothman's eyes glow when he horky? Yes. Mothman horky. This is way of showing affection. That's why you know Mothman isn't a Sandhill Crane. Mothman doesn't fly south to, to find mating grounds. He just flies over to your place, baby. Hey, hey. I'm a moth. And a man. Oh boy, am I a man. I saw you had your lamp on, and you're very attractive. So is your lamp. That's why his eyes glow, is they, like, call you in. It's his ma- Mothman's mating thing. Is like, I hypnotize you to come fuck me. <laughs> Hey, baby, I just uh, saw you over at the bar, and I wanted to say I love the way you walk. And also, don't drive on that bridge next week. It's uh, it's not going to end well. So, yeah, next episode. I'm excited for Mothman. Mothman. I'm just excited for Mothman. Look forward to. I hope they don't disappoint. You know what? I would love, actually. You know know what? Love, actually. We need another Christmas episode. (laughs) Next episode is basically Love Actually, but Mothman's out there with the cards (laughs) saying, say it's Christmas carolers. (laughs) And like, Mothman, what's going on? One of the first cards is, I communicate this way because, flip card, I cannot speak English, flip card, (laughs) my mouth parts don't form the proper sounds. (laughs) Flip card, in case you haven't noticed, I am a Mothman. (laughs) Flip card, check out my butt, he turns around. <laughs> I was gonna say that I really hope Mothman is a, th- a thing. I want Mothman mm-hmm. to keep reappearing like the trash bag killer and Skeletruck. Is this your Mothman prophecy? Yes. I want every episode of this season to just introduce a new thing like that. Most people think that Richard Gere's only Mothman movie is, of course, the Mothman prophecies. But his character in American Gigolo was also based on the Mothman. Because of sexy time? Because he's, he's sexy. Mothman's yeah. sexy. Yeah. Yeah. Look at that Mothman. Look at him. Runaway Bride had nothing to do with Mothman. Mothman disavows that film. I've never understood the, like, appeal of Runaway Bride. Mm-hmm. I would never... 
kind of interest in that one. How about my best friend's wedding? Nope. No? Nope. I like my best friend's wedding. I really like the song. Oh, yeah, that sounds yeah, good. Yeah, that carries the whole movie. I don't know. There, there was like, you know, ro- romance movies of that era. None of them can live up to You've Got Mail. Well, no, no. And, and, and uh, My Best Friend's Wedding doesn't try to because it's like the anti-romance movie. She does all of the things you're supposed to do in a, in a romance movie, but all of them prove that she's really awful for this guy, and yeah. he's much happier with the lady he's actually marrying. Well, yeah. Tom Hanks, in a just world, should have gotten a restraining order. I mean, yeah. In You've Got Mail. But it's I so, love that movie. It's so good. Brinkley! 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 They come together in the flower garden and they're all happy. Love you, Meg Ryan, but you need some color in your wardrobe. No, she just wears khaki and pastel and it's so muted and weird. She wears black when she's going to the mattresses. (laughs) Going to the mattresses. Going, going. She does her weird boxing dance. (laughs) Mattresses, yeah. I love... Do you you know what that means, going to mattresses? The Godfather. <laughs> he ran Spain. <laughs> the country. He ran it. <laughs> so good. I love that movie. Also makes me miss borders. <laughs> Not borders in the movie, but it makes me think of borders. It's it's a piazza. Fucking piazza. Mike Piazza. <laughs> Brinkley! This episode. <laughs> talk about everything but the episode we just want to talk about anything but <laughs> riverdale today so you know what we should talk about our fantastic new art if you follow us on social media then you've already seen the brand new uh, uh, podcast cover art we got as well as a, a new icon for our uh, uh, twitter account at sex underscore archie yeah both are by friend of the show uh callum who you might recognize for making our previous uh, cover photo. Hey, hey! If you are interested in having Callum draw something for you, you can get in touch with him on Twitter at Calcium Trees. It's Calcium spelled like the element that is famous for being in milk. T-R-I-C-E. He did not give me a pronunciation guide, but (laughs) he was great to work with. I'm very happy with, with our new look. Uh, for for this brand new adventure, uh, whatever twists and turns it takes us. Yes. Follow us on Twitter so you can get sneak peeks of things like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You uh, can also leave us a rating and review on not iTunes because that doesn't exist. Apple Podcasts is what you're that, thinking of. And wherever else you listen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You can also tell a friend. Tell those friends. Tell those friends. If you've always been confused about the idea of people enjoying Riverdale, this might become the show for you. Yep. A few more weeks like this, man. I don't know. <laughs> oh, boy. So, yeah, we, we might uh, be about to become much more recommendable. Yeah. We're squeezing into the zeitgeist, I guess. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. So with that, I'm Elena. I'm Grant. And from us here at Sex Archie. Damn it, Miss Crouton. Skeletruck, truck, 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 truck,
Be our theme music <laughs> for this entire season. <laughs>